Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, we're going to be talking about resiliency and mental health in the workplace, and we all know how stressful the workplace can be. Well, today, I'm joined by product and leadership coach, Osnet Banari. She has been doing product development for 20 years, and she knows all about mental health and resiliency in the workplace. So she's going to be giving you some helpful tips to make it through those stressful days at work. So Osnet, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Well, why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Of course. Well, I live in New York uh, for the past eight years. I immigrated from Israel. Um, and I've, as you mentioned it to your audience, I'm in product management for 20 years. That means that I help uh, companies start businesses as well as build product. Been doing this for many, many years, but has have been moving around from different industries to different workplaces. And what I noticed is that I'm, I keep reinventing myself, reinventing myself in the workplace. And after a lot of people started asking me, how do you do that? How do you have the energy and the, and the kind of strength to start from scratch every single time? I took a deep look into what I've been doing in the past year and decided to write a book about it. And uh, I'm really excited to tell you and your audience a lot more about it. So uh, yeah, that's me. So other than products, uh, as I mentioned, I'm an author and I wrote this book and I also do speaking engagements in conferences as well as companies. Well, what made you that decide to get into the type of work that you do and just kind of tell people what you actually do as far as uh, product management and stuff like that, for those yeah. who might not know. Yeah. So it's, you know, if you don't know, don't feel bad because I think I explained this to my parents multiple times. It's a very specific job that you do in when you work for a tech company. And people that have my job, what they do is they, they take ideas and bring them to life. So for example, if someone has an idea for an app, for example, the product manager will break that idea into smaller tasks and work with the various teams within the tech company in order to bring it to life to actually make it happen they will make sure it's the right uh, it has the right features that it has the right uh, usability the right design that is the role that basically is the glue between the the people that actually develop it or design it the product manager is is the glue is and also the the visionary the person that will think okay what should we add next and what the other the future capabilities that we can add it's something my father was uh was an engineer and my mom was a nurse and you know these are jobs that a lot of us kind of understand by definition and product management is unfortunately one of them and also i will say that product manager 
um, job changes between industries. So if you work for a bank, a product manager is a little bit different than if you would work on, you know, on an, a Netflix. So, so it does change and it requires a lot of ability to reinvent how you work and how you do things if you get into this job. And the way I got to it, I actually was a teacher, not for a school, but actually for a tech company. So uh, it's called a corporate trainer. And if you are working as a corporate trainer, then you learn what is the product of the company you work for, and then you train its clients, of its customers, how to how to work with it. And that's what I was doing. And then I was meeting a lot of our clients and they were coming with feedback about our product. And I kept bringing it to the product team. Um, and I was bringing a lot of feedback because I cared that they will be happy and that they, you know, I really thought that their ideas were great. And so coming many, many times to the product management team as their peer one day, one of them said, you have so many ideas that you come with and how about you come and do it yourself? And he identified that I can do it and gave me a chance. So he recommended I move to the to that role. And that was the beginning of a 20 years career in product management. I actually had someone who believed in me and saw potential, which is uh, always amazing to have, you know, when someone else is, someone else blesses your path to progress in the workplace. Well, you're also on the advisory board for a couple of places. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So an advisory role means that that you bring your experience, your work experience to the company that you advise at. So I advise at a tech company that is an audio company. What they do is they have an audio technology. They're basically like Google, but instead for words, they're actually for audio. So if you talk about something in a radio show or in a podcast, they're able to pinpoint just as you would search a, a website that mentions that specific topic, they're able to find the radio show or the podcast show that does that. Their technology is very impressive. And so when I met them, when I, I actually was working for Verizon at the time, and when I was introduced to them, I got excited and, and uh, started coming up with ideas for them. And then they invited me to join their board of advisors. And I love the team. I love their technology. And I love to be part of that world. And I also am an advisor for Hunter College. It's the biggest college in New York City. And it's something I'm very proud of because part of, um, you know, a lot of people who go into tech there's this notion that, you know, if you go to an Ivy League university, then you can really do well. But I would challenge and say that there are a lot of super talented children that are not necessarily able to afford getting into an Ivy League, and they go to community colleges. So when I was invited to be as an advisor, one of the things that the president wanted me to help her with is really to identify what those children really need to learn in order to get a job like me. And so, you know, we unpacked it and she had the strength and the power and the ability to really make change in the syllabus and the 
way kids are being accepted to college. So we changed the acceptance criteria. We changed the syllabus so that these kids get out of college and really can work in my job. And it's, it's, uh, it's actually the program prepares them better than many other programs that are out there. And I'm super proud of the work that we've done together. The, you know, her being so open, a lot of, you know, academia is very hard to change and she's not that person. She's the person that if something needs to be changed, she will do that. So I was very proud of the work we've done together to actually change the education here and allow more kids to go into tech positions. So what, what, encourage you to get into advocating for resiliency and mental health in the workplace? Yeah. So I think that I've been worked for many companies, big and small, and there's something that's happening in in many tech organizations, which are changes, changes to management or changes to the strategy of the business. And those changes actually, um, affect us as employees. You know, you might lose a job because of it. And there's tons of layoffs that are happening now in the tech industry. And so I've been through a lot of changes because of those changes as well. And and sometimes I was part of the layoff group and sometimes I wasn't. I was actually on the surviving list, but my friends were laid off. And I saw how big of an effect that has on us. And, you know, if you're laid off, obviously, you know, everybody who goes through a layoff, you know, it's scary financially, it's, you know, it's, it's personal, you feel, you know, like personally attacked, like as if you don't, you don't think you're appreciated as you were a day before. And, and even if you are not being laid off, and you stay behind, you're actually staying behind to do work with less resources, because, you know, yesterday, there were four people who were doing this job, and now there's only you. So it's very hard on both sides. And I'm going through those, and I went through too many changes that I can actually count over 10 changes like that, that I decided that, and I saw how it affected both myself as well as my friends. And, you know, people decided to leave the job and completely change their career because they can't take it anymore or other people that went into depression um, or people that became kind of, you know, not as, not as excited about their job in general. And, you know, a job is where you spend a lot of your time. It's not just your financial stability. It's also your identity. It's also who you are. It's also, you know, what you can be proud of. And it's also where we spend a lot of the time of our lives in a job. So to be happy in the workplace is something that has benefits both to the employer. Like if the employer has employees that are happy and are content and are proud of what they're doing, they'll do a better job. But also for us as individuals, you know, we go through these changes that a lot of the times are not our fault. Like if there's change in the organization or the company is not as successful and now needs to fire so many people, it's not our fault. And I saw how it affected both myself as well as my peers. And I decided that we actually need to do something about it. And, uh, and I think that, you know, both my book, my book talks about these changes and how to manage 
a change in that happens to you or a change that you want to do. Like, for example, you no longer want to do your job, you want to do something else. And I think that keeping your resilience, keeping your mental state in a good shape while going through that change allows you to not be busy with, you know, healing and licking your wounds, but actually growing and seeing opportunities and being open to meeting people and getting, you know, new opportunities in the workplace. And I just think that if we take care of our employees and if we take care of ourselves in the workplace, we can see these opportunities and and bigger and better things can happen to us in the workplace where we spend so much of our time. Explain to people in your bio, you talked about the starting from scratch mindset. Explain to people what that is and and what the starting from scratch six-step model is. Yeah. So having a, a starting from scratch mindset is, I talk about it when I say that you don't, the ability to start something or reinvent yourself um, in your job does not need to happen only when you start on your first day. It's actually, it can happen like after you're doing the same job for many, many years and you're, you feel stuck or you feel that, you know, it's just another job. And it is important that you'll be happy in your workplace because it will bring you more opportunities. It will bring you more growth and you will spend a lot of the, of your day in a place that you like. So to have a starting from scratch mentality means that you, you see yourself in an opportunity and you want to reinvent yourself and the reinvention can come from multiple things and these are the six steps that I talk about so the first step is a learning mentality and it is you know a lot of us are uh, in the workplace and we become experts or we are just busy with executing our day-to-day job because this is what we were hired to do but what if we took a class or what if we read a book about something new? Or what if we listened to a podcast that opened our mind to an idea? Or what if we learned more about our business and where we work and looked for additional opportunities or more things that we can be in charge of? Or what are the things that we can actually learn to do that will make us bigger and better from the day that we were before. So having a learning mindset is something that I, you know, I put in my calendar, you know, I'm busy every day, I have meetings, and, you know, I do my work, but I have in my calendar two hours per week, where I listen to podcasts, and I read a chapter in a professional book. And that allows me to grow, it allows me to learn new things, it allows me to be interested in new things and have new ideas and, and bring them to to my workplace. Step two is talking about resilience, and it is identifying when you are just burnt out or when you're having a bad day or when you are not yourself, you're not 100% in your happy place. And to be able to identify when you need help, when you need to say, okay, I need a day off or I need an hour off or I actually don't have time for a break, but how about if I you know, take a walk with my dog? And give myself a break and just, you know, be kind to myself. Like, what is that habit you can put in place that when you're not 100%, you can 
you can do. And, you know, some of us need an hour break. Some of us need a day break. It depends really where you are. But if you can give yourself that grace to be able to bounce back to to be the best self that you are, because when you are in that mindset, then you see opportunities. The third thing is, I call it in the book, a personal board of directors. It's actually a group of experts, not necessarily your family, although that is another important person that you need to have in your life. But these are advisors. These are people that are there to give you good advice. These are the people that when you're having a bad day, they are there to listen and give you good advice. And when you are thinking to do something extra or start a new job or think about a new career, they will be open to giving you advice or introducing you to people that can help you grow to a mentor or to someone that can really help you push yourself into the, this new, better self. And the personal board of directors can be people in your workplace that you like how they work and you admire how they got promoted or got access to things and you want to learn from them. It is okay to actually go there and tell them. It's not weird. I actually did that several times. I said, hey, I really appreciate what you did there or I really appreciated how you presented that day. You know, Can you talk to me about how you did it or what you learned in order to do it. And to have the ability to consult with people is a gift. And I think that we should be more open to to do that, to really reach out to people and ask for their help and support. More people than you think will be happy to be part of your success. And I also mentioned in the book, it's important to, when you do that, when you contact someone that could be potentially even a stranger, that they will actually be there to, when you come back and you say, hey, you know, thank you. Thank you for the advice and thank you for the kind words or thank you for giving me the time. It's important to go back and update them. You know, oh, when you gave me that advice, this is what I did with it. And now I'm in a better place. So to remember that person that supported you. The fourth step talks about having a plan for the new you. It's really to envision a role model or have a role model and really unpack who they will be, who they are and what they know to do. And when you do that, to really unpack everything you need to learn in order to become them. And it doesn't need to be a real role model, although it can be, obviously, but it can be an imaginary person that is the new you that is just in a better place than you are today. And then if you unpack what they have, who they know, what they know, what are their skills, and then you create a list of things that you need to learn, or you need to start owning. So for example, who are the people that they know, or what are their habits, or maybe they studied something and you can take a a course. There are so many courses that are free and online today, or what book can you read to become more expert in what they are? So to have a plan is important. The fifth step of the six-step model is to close the gap on those on those gaps. A lot of us talk about imposter syndrome at work or being afraid, you know, to push yourself out there to do a bigger job than you do today. And if you have that list that we talked in step four and you start closing the gap, you know, there's a specific skill you didn't have and now you do. There's a specific thing you didn't know about and now you do. 
there's a new tool you didn't know how to use and now you do, then imposter syndrome can be shut down when you look at that list of accomplishments of things that you didn't know before and now you do. And so step step five is closing the gap towards the, this new role model. And step six, because we worked so hard up until now in order to grow and reinvent ourselves, step six talks about packing baggage. We all have experiences that are not the best that we had both in our lives as well as in the workplace. Someone that didn't treat us right, someone that didn't talk to us right, some that someone that didn't give us a chance when we deserved it. And so what I ask is that before you start something new is really to create a list of all the experiences that you had and be grateful because every experience makes you stronger to the next one, challenge you, challenges you to be better. And every experience can be later be talked in an interview. You can say, well, you know, last time someone didn't treat me right. I actually, you know, came to them. I was very open. I created this good communication with them. I explained to them what they were creating for me. And now we're really good friends and we're supporting each other. That can actually happen. And you're able to actually show in an interview or show to yourself and show show that you are bigger and better after you clean that baggage of yours. So I think that, you know, looking at any experience, including if you were laid off, any experiences, you know, okay, I was laid off, but before I was, before I started this job, I didn't know to do something. And now I do. And I didn't know Sarah and John, and now I do. So there, every experience that we have, even if, you know, on the surface, it is not necessarily a great one. We can change the narrative in order to tell us ourselves a better story, that that is an experience we had to overcome and now we're bigger and better because of it. And so I think that that is an important step that also strengthen your mental uh, state and strengthen your belief in yourself and in your kind of ability to overcome adversity. And, and I think that that is key when you reinvent yourself and when you start from scratch. So tell us about your book. Tell us what readers can expect when they read it and where to pick it up. And also, you know, if you want to talk about some of the featured stories that you feature in your book regarding the starter mindset. Yeah. So the book talks about those six steps, but I also interviewed 200 people when I wrote the book and 20 of selected stories are in the book. So if someone talks about, for example, a learning mindset, then I talk about, you know, a specific person that what they learned and how and how they implemented that step. So for example, one of the stories in in my book are a story of uh, someone that she wanted to be something else. She want she she was a showrunner on Broadway. She was working nights and with a lot of people. And she was coming home very late every night because she was, you know, in taking care of a performance. And when she wanted to start a family, then she knew that it will be harder, you know, not to be at home every night because of the shows. And it's very demanding 
demanding job and also it's very late at night. So she decided that she needs to change and that's where starting from scratch comes in. And what she did is, you know, coming from Broadway and only working in theater for her to look for a, an office job was very hard because people did not understand what she was doing before. You know, not all of us know what is happening behind the scenes to bring a show to life. So when she was explaining her experience, a lot of people were not connecting to it. They were not understanding what she did. So what she did is she did this unpacking of a role model. She said, okay, what do I want to be? And she wanted to actually work with people because she did that in Broadway, but she, and she wanted to continue that. But she also wanted an office job and she also wanted to continue to support people. And what she actually did is she unpacked her job. So as a showrunner on Broadway, which I didn't know, she taught me that, you take care of a hundred actors and, you know, everybody that comes and are part of that play. And, and what you do is you make sure that, you know, everybody comes on time. Everybody knows what they need to do. If you need to, if someone is sick, she immediately brings, you know, their replacement. So she was now able to explain her skill that she actually managed a hundred people. That's not an easy job to do. So she managed a hundred people. She knew how to, she knew how to communicate with people. She knew to how to communicate in stressful situation because, you know, showtime is coming. And so she explained her skills. And once she started to talk about her skill and not about her title and her role, she was able to reinvent herself. And now she's responsible for human resources in a tech company. So this is just one of the stories that of, of uh, people that are in my book and are inspiring people and also showing them how these six steps can come to life. I also have another story, someone that was an executive assistant to the CEO in a company. And then she saw that there's an opening for a marketing role. But she knew that it's very far-fetched. She's just an executive assistant and she never worked in marketing. But when she went to her boss and she said, I actually want to do this job, her boss was so proud of her and liked what she was doing and liked how she performed. He decided to support her and to promote her and give her a chance to basically bet on her to do a job that, you know, someone else, she wouldn't have done it, but she put herself out there. She explained her skills. She explained her mot motivation and why she would be good for the job. And then she got it. She basically designed the new, her new self, the new role model that she wants to be. She wanted to be a marketer and uh, she unpacked it. And she said, you know, these are the things that I bring to the table. And these are the things that I know, but these are also the things I don't know. And I will need your your assistance as your man as my manager and she was very open about it and and brought herself to move to that position and today she's a chief marketing officer in a big telecom company so i think that all of these stories are inspiring to to show that you don't need to be unique or special or you know have a superpower in order to self-reinvent yourself. There are specific steps that you can do, these six steps that you can take, and then anybody can reinvent themselves. Anybody can 
you know, look at their job and say, okay, now I can do something else, something in addition, something bigger. I can, you know, get a promotion and do something, something more than I'm doing today. And if you just follow those steps and you get inspired by the stories of the people in the book, I'm hoping that more people are resilient in the workplace and that they're happy in their workplace and that they reinvent themselves to a job that they really, really like. What do you think is holding people back from starting from scratch? Yeah, I think it's, you know, change in general is scary. Everything that we are unaware of kind of what's, you know, what's up in the future is scary. And, and, you know, we have a comfort zone and it's okay. But I think a lot of the times there's such a big reward after we go through it. There's, you know, there's a quote that I like, which is, you know, the best views come after the hardest climb. And I think that, you know, if we take this quote and uh, we get inspired, I think more people will be willing to, you know, take that leap of faith in themselves and build themselves up to something bigger. But I totally relate to that fear. And some days are not the best days to start from scratch and it's okay. But if you have a plan and if you have a supporting network and if you are strong mentally, you can do this change that will put you in a better place. Do you have any current or upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about? Well, my book is uh, is coming out early January just for the new year. So it's in pre-order. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all the bookstores, hopefully in libraries as well. And that is really where, you know, as a product manager that worked on many products for other people, it's the first product that is totally mine and I'm working on. So really, you know, uh, that is my my baby and my pride and joy to, to talk to people about and make sure that more and more people are inspired to take care of themselves and take care of their career. And hopefully my book will be that warm hand-holding when they are ready for change. Throw out your contact information so people can keep up with everything that you're up to. Yeah. So my website is startingfromscratchthebook.com and it has a lot of those inspiring stories as well as practice book, practice worksheets, as well as links and how to buy my books. And also you can look me up, Osnat Benari and Instagram on LinkedIn, on Facebook. I'm there and I love to get comments from from people who either heard me on a podcast and got inspired to take the leap or people who already got a hand on my book and started reading it. And I'd love if people connect with me. So Osnet, what what kind of name is that? I never heard nobody name Osnet before. Yeah, it's the name comes from the first testimony. It's a uh, it's name from the Bible. And Osnet is uh, Joseph's wife. Uh, and so, and I'm actually called after my grandmother. Her name was Osnet as well. And the family tale says that her grandmother and her grand grandmother was also called like that. So it's a it's a name that runs in the family. And you know, the tale says until the actual one. <laughs> so I don't know if it's true, but it's a definitely story I like 
my name is a part of, although I know it's not very easy to pronounce because it's rare, rare, but, uh, but it exists in the Bible. If, if people look it up, it's there. I like it. Yeah. Close us out with some final thoughts. Maybe something I forgot to touch on that you would like to talk about or just any final thoughts you have for the listeners. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the new year is upon us. And I know that a lot of people are thinking about New Year's resolution. And if your New Year resolution was to take a leap of faith and and start working towards the new you, um, do it. But do it in a kind way. Like, don't be hard on yourself. You know, be your best friend. You know, we are very good friends to other people. But we can be good friends to ourselves and be kind. And if it's not working as we planned or it takes a little bit longer, it's okay as long as we have a plan. And I'm wishing everybody to uh, that all of their wishes will come true. Starting from scratch to book.com. Make sure you pick up Osnet's book coming out in early January. Follow, rate, review, share this episode to as many people as possible, especially those who are looking to start from scratch. And also, don't you be afraid to start from scratch. If you like this episode or any other episodes I've put out, don't be afraid to tell a friend. Osnet, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.